God, I pray that as I get in this text right now, I pray that you would just help me to speak truth. I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, dear Lord. I just thank you for the opportunity to share it. I pray that it would have an impact on my life, God, even though I may have read these words many times. Help me not to miss the importance of them right now. So I pray that you just would speak through these words right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 26, or excuse me, 1 through 25. It's kind of a long chapter, but we're going to read the whole chapter. It's important for us to realize the, uh, the whole story so we can understand what the text is talking about. Now, a little bit of a background. In case you're not familiar with where we are, God had delivered the Israelite people out of the wilderness. He was sending them into the promised land. He had called Joshua to be the one to take them in. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a passing of the baton, so to speak, from Moses to Joshua. Uh, Joshua had, uh, excuse me, God had made known to the people that he was with Joshua. We saw that the Jordan River uh, was backed up, that it was uh, at a time that the river was overflowing its banks. And even with all of that water, God stopped the Jordan River in its tracks, very similar to what we saw with Moses parting the Red Sea. And Joshua and the Israelites walked across on dry land to get into the promised land that God had given them. It was a land that the text would say uh, was flowing with uh, milk and honey. It's not that there were rivers of milk and honey flowing in this land, but it was a good land. It was going to be a, a good land for the people. And so here we see the Israelite people about to go into this land and about to go into a place called Jericho. Now we saw Jericho mentioned earlier in the book of Joshua. And in Jericho, there were a couple of spies that went to see what was going on. And they ran into a prostitute there by the name of Rahab. Well, Rahab took and hid the spies so that they wouldn't get captured by the guards of Jericho. Because Rahab said that she had heard of the God of Israel. And she said, look, will you guys spare me? And they said, all right, here's what we'll do. And we'll come back since you spared our life. We'll spare your life. Just tie this red uh, ribbon on, onto your house. And when we come in and when we see that, we won't harm you or anyone in your house. And so that promise was made to Rahab the prostitute. And the spies went back. And here we see the people of Israel getting ready to come together and come against this city of Jericho. So Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. Now that's very important for us to realize what's going on here. The city was strongly fortified. Why? Because of the Israelites. So obviously word had traveled. You've got to think that uh, word had traveled to Jericho by this point that, hey, the Israelites are coming and they have a pretty powerful God. Now, in our day and age, we got Twitter and Facebook, and it would take like seven seconds for something to happen uh, 100, 100 miles down the road. We would find out about it instantly. Well, in those days, they didn't have a Twitter and Facebook, but no doubt the word had traveled throughout the land about these crazy old Israelites. Now, Egypt was kind of a superpower back in the day, and the Israelites, who were their slaves, 
managed to escape, and not just to escape. Pharaoh let them go, and they were able to get away. And even when Pharaoh tried to uh, hunt them down and go back and say, look, we're going after them, they were able to cross the Red Sea on dry land because it parted from side to side. Now, that's a pretty, that's a pretty intense story. So this would have been something that would have spread throughout the land. And so here the Israelites are. Uh, by no means would they have been uh, considered a superpower before this, a powerful nation. But now the Lord is on their side and word is traveling. And I believe that that is why that the city of Jericho was strongly fortified. It said no one was coming or going. The gates were closed. They were locked tight. You have locked tight uh, gates when there is fear. When you have uh, something that you're afraid of, something you're trying to keep out. When there is an enemy outside your gates, you close the gates. Uh, we see just the opposite of that in the book of Revelation. When we talk about heaven, it says that the gates of heaven are open night and day. There is no need to close the gates because there are no enemies that are going to come. But here in this text, we see that everything is locked down tight in Jericho because of the Israelites. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its fighting men over to you. Now, that is, that is past tense. God doesn't say, I'm going to hand them over to you. God says, I have handed them over to you. Now, that's got to make you feel confident. If you are Joshua and the Israelites, you, you, you've probably got to be feeling pretty confident because God has delivered you. God has uh, let you, uh, you... You've heard the stories of those before you. Remember, uh, those who were wandering in the wilderness didn't get to go into the promised land because they were disobedient, but it's their children who get to go into the promised land. They had probably no doubt heard the stories about their God who had parted the Red Sea, and then they had took part in a similar thing of God who allowed them to cross the Jordan River on dry land, and God says, look, I am handing, I have handed your enemies over to you. March around the city with all of the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns, trumpets, in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is prolonged blast on the horn and you hear it sound, have all the people give a mighty shout. And then the city wall will collapse and the people will advance, each man straight ahead. Now these are pretty simple instructions. March around the city every day for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around the city uh, seven times. You're going to blow the seven uh, horns, the trumpets, and then at the same time, after everybody does that, everybody going, woo! We're going to holler out. We're going to shout. All right? So those are pretty simple instructions, but they're kind of strange at the same time, right? Because God could have just struck the city down. I mean, we've seen already uh, in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah is one instance that just comes to mind of God uh, destroying a city instantaneously. So God could have destroyed uh, um, um, uh, the city of Jericho, but God decided for whatever reason in his, in his infinite wisdom that that was not the way he wanted to do it. Instead, he gave them these instructions, which may seem strange, but they were indeed the instructions that God gave them to do. So this is what Joshua did. Verse uh, 6. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. 
He said to the people, move forward, march around the city, and have the armed troops go ahead of the ark. After Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpets. The ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the people, Do not shout or let your voice be heard. Don't let your one word come out of your mouth until the time I say, Shout. Then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying seven trumpets marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. So God had told them what to do, and while it may be a strange for us to comprehend and understand why God would do it that way, we don't see that the people of Israel even questioned it. Now maybe they did, and that's just not in the text, but the text doesn't tell us that they even questioned. God said, this is the way you need to do it, and bam, we see Joshua tell them, and here they are doing exactly what God told them to do. Verse 15, early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. But the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in her house will live because she hid the men we sent. All right, so here's what's going down. They're following what God said. It comes to the seventh day. They march around the city uh, seven times. The horn blows and everybody shouts it out. And guess what? The walls just come tumbling down. Now that had to be a mighty sight for the people to see, both the people of Jericho and the people of Israel. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I saw somebody marching around this church every once a day for, for six days, I'd, I'd think, what in the world is going on? I would think they were a bunch of nut jobs, right? But here we have uh, the people of Israel doing that. And Jericho, people of Jericho, maybe there was fear. Maybe they were just uh, confused. Who knows what was going on? But here on the seventh day, we see everything come into place. And we see God hand Jericho over to his people Israel. Now, the question that I have, and maybe some of you have, is, is why didn't God just strike down Jericho? I mean, he could have, right? In all of his infinite power, God could have just wiped that place off the face of the earth in an instant, and it wouldn't have been nothing to it. But I think that possibly, at least this is my thought, that God was trying to teach the people of Israel a lesson here. God was, 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 was making sure that the people of Israel were going to trust him. It was not, it was not just because uh, God was doing this for fun or God was just trying to, 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 to be confusing, but it was to build a trust between the people of Israel and the Lord so that they would trust the Lord. Remember, uh, the Bible tells us that God's ways are, are, are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But by doing this, 
God sees that the people of Israel are obedient to him. Now, the people who wandered in the wilderness were not obedient. We see a contrast here. The people that wandered in the wilderness wandered in the wilderness because of their disobedience. But here we see a new generation of Israelites who seem to have learned from the uh, mistakes and the sins of their ancestors. And here they are. God says do it. And they do exactly what God says. And bam, God delivers their enemies over to them. And that had to be an exciting day for the people of Israel and a super scary day for the people of Jericho. Can you imagine you've got these walls around your city and you feel like you're safe and then all of a sudden, bam, the walls come tumbling down. I remember when we went to Haiti, we were driving around in kind of a rough looking area and I noticed that every place we went by, there were these huge walls, like 10, 12 foot tall with barbed wire on top and everyone had a huge big metal gate. And every night when we went into that place, that big metal gate would slam and they would lock it up for the night. And I was thinking, whoa, there must be something outside those walls that's dangerous. But I felt a certain safety because the gates were closed. They were locked down. There were people guarding on the inside in case something happened. So I felt safe and secure. If those walls would have come tumbling down in the middle of the night then, or middle of the day, I would have probably been like, whoa, what is going on? And so I can imagine there was a certain fear from Jericho, not just because the walls come tumbling down because they knew exactly what was going on that the God of Israel that they had no doubt heard about was now with Israel and they were taking over Jericho but not all of Jericho was destroyed it says only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live because she hid the men we sent but keep yourself from the things set apart or you will be set apart for destruction if you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and bring disaster on it. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. All right, so here we have, uh, we have uh, uh, an instruction for the Lord here, and that is destroy everything and don't take nothing for yourselves. And God gives them a warning. He says, look, if you take anything then it's going to be destruction for Israel. It's going to bring some punishment on Israel. So God had given them a warning here in verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets sounded. When they heard the blast of the trumpet, the people gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. Now that's just going over what I just told you guys. Uh, it's just kind of reiterating. I already told you guys what happened. but So we know that's what goes on. Here's where the text tells us that's what happened. All right. And the wall collapsed. The people advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. They completely destroyed everything in the city with the sword, every man and woman, both young and old, and every ox, sheep, and donkey. Now that sounds pretty extreme to destroy those things. You're thinking, well, they could have used those things. They were good things. But God said to destroy them. God said to destroy everything. He had already told them when they went into the land, you must destroy everything so that you won't be tempted to, to, to give in to the sinfulness that these nations who are not my chosen people, uh, you'll be, you, you'll be um, tempted to give in to those sins that they're a part of. So God says when you go in, this is your land, you're going to destroy everything that's there. I'm handing everything over to you. And here God is telling them to destroy everything. 
In verse 22, Joshua said to the two men who had scouted the land, Go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out of here, out of there, excuse me, and all who are with her, just as you promised her. So the young men who had scouted went in and brought out Rahab and her father, mother, brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her whole family and settled them outside the camp of Israel. They burned up the city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. However, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, her father's household, and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent to spy on Jericho, and she lives in Israel to this day. Now what we have here is a, is, is, is a good story because we see a couple of things. We see, one, that when God is with his people and we are obedient to what he says, he will get us through whatever situation that we are up against. If God brings us to a situation, even if it looks like it's something we can no way take on on our own, there may be a Jericho, so to speak, in our life. There may be some big walls that we look like that there is no way. We think, God, how can I overcome this huge wall? It may be a wall of stress. It may be a wall of worry. It may be a wall of sickness. It may be a wall of doubt. It may be a wall of anger. It may be a wall of, of, of a number of sins and things that we struggle with. But if God leads us to something, no matter how much how difficult it may seem to us, God will lead us through it. There may be times in our life that God leads us to do something, to minister to someone or to share the love of Christ with someone, and it's scary because we have to cross the Jordan. We have to go from a safe spot into a land that's inhabited by something that's unsafe. And so sometimes it can be difficult for us, but we can know that if God calls us to something, that He is going to get us through it. And that's what he did for the people of Israel. We can also see from this text that those who are not God's chosen people are set apart for destruction. Now, we see that in the text. Now, if we, all right, we're talking about us now, if we who are in Christ Jesus, if we accept Jesus Christ, we are the Lord's. We are covered by the blood of Christ. We are spared from God's wrath. But those who are not the Lord's chosen people, that is, those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are waiting for the day of destruction. There is a day coming where they will be judged and they will experience God's wrath and they will be separated from God for all of eternity. Now, in the text, we're talking about Israel being God's chosen people, but, but, but praise the Lord that Jesus Christ came so that we also can be God's chosen people. Those of us who were not born Israelites, we can still be sons and daughters of the Lord through Jesus Christ. And so we know that we can be spared from the destruction to come if we are obedient to the Lord and Jesus Christ. But if you refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ, if you reject Jesus Christ, then you will, you will face an end similar to that of Jericho. Only it'll be much worse and it'll be eternal. The other thing that we can get from this text is that God is, is, is faithful to save those who come to Him, who seek Him, who fear Him, and who humble themselves before Him. We see that with Rahab. And this is not like God didn't say, well, she's just this awesome, wonderful lady who I'm going to spare. Remember, God spared a righteous Noah because he was righteous in his family, but he only spared Rahab because she 
had obviously heard about the Lord, and she was fearful of the Lord. She said, look, I know what's coming. I, I, I've heard the stories about your Lord. Please spare me. It was, a, it was a, a, a fear and a humbling that she had of the Lord because she had heard about the God of Israel. And so here we have an old prostitute who feared the Lord and asked to be spared, and guess what? She was spared. And so it is for us. We are sinners, but God will spare us if we ask Him to. God doesn't spare us because of how good we are, because we are righteous in our own, on our own, but God spares us because we come to Him and we realize we are not righteous on our own. But we are only righteous through Jesus Christ who died to cover our sins. And just like Rahab, even though she was a sinner, God spared her. And would you believe, if you go back and look in the genealogy of Jesus, right there in that list of the people in Jesus' bloodline was old Rahab the prostitute. Now you tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. From beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, God has a plan that he has put in place. And every single part of that plan, he has got mapped out. And everything he does, whether we understand it or not, is exactly the way it needs to be. So let us be found faithful like the Israelites. When God calls us to something, let us be found obedient. Let us not question God, but let us be ready to get up and go and say, God, whatever you call us to, we are going to do. Whatever you, you, you call us to, we know you're going to uh, be with us every step of the way. God, we know you are faithful to save us. We know you are faithful to rescue us from our sinfulness and our situations, God. And we thank you, dear Lord, that you do that. We thank you that you give us your grace through Jesus Christ. So help us to look at this text so that we can see what's going on here. So that we can be like the people of Israel. And we can have the faith to go wherever God calls us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this good text. And I pray that you would help us to just be obedient to you. I pray that you would help us to maybe not question when things seem kind of crazy, dear Lord. Sometimes maybe you let us do things that, that, that may seem weird to us because you're trying to help us to learn something or grow us in some way. God, we see it here with the people of, of Israel. I believe that you were helping their growth, that they would trust in you. God, we see it with Job. Even though he was a righteous man, you still used his suffering. Even though the devil wanted to destroy him, God, you used it to draw him closer to you. So God, help us in our situations, in our Jerichos, that even though the walls may look tall and the situations look hopeless, that we know, God, that you will deliver us if you have called us to something. Help us to know that Maybe our hard times are for our growth so we can be patient, dear Lord, in whatever we're going through. Help us to trust you and seek you, dear Lord, to know that you are faithful to save us if we call on you. So help if, if there's one that has not called on you, dear Lord, in this church, that they would seek Jesus Christ, that they would call out, ask for his forgiveness, to be covered by his blood, that he would be their Savior so that they can be forgiven, so that they can experience the victory, the freedom. God. And they can have peace. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.